My name is Gunner, and I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I created this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and lovers of music just to talk about their top five records that have inspired their lives and their musical prowess. Today I'm talking to Nick James. His real last name is Betcher, like Betcher ass, but everyone knows how easy it is to pronounce James over Betcher. He's the lead guitar for the Reverend Few, also a singer. He's got an insane voice. Um, They're a killer Austin band with a ton of soul and groove. They're they're incredible. Anyway, I love talking to Nick about his top five records. It's just so lovely to hear how everyone picks their top five, and they're always for different reasons, you know? And someday, I promise, I'm gonna understand Bob Dylan. Believe me, I wanna get it, I just don't yet. I'll get it, I promise. They've got an album coming out later this month on Saturday, March 28th at the Continental Club. They hit the stage at 10 p.m. It's going to be epic. I'll be there. Come meet me there. It's going to be awesome. Let's go check this out together. Um, If you're listening to this right now, you are missing the campfire gathering. And it sucks that South by Southwest got canceled. But pretty awesome the campfire is still going to take place. Throw the corona in the trash can. The coronavirus, it's no good. We're going to kill it out in Dripping Springs. It's in the pristine hill country of Texas in uh, just 30 minutes west of Austin. No lines, no waiting, epic food, color music, tack on adult camp activities, like archery, axe throwing, and how about a side of yoga? Maybe a massage and a sidecar of the best music lineup today? Sorry you're missing it. Let's get to the conversation, but first... Close your eyes. You're on a stranded desert island. What five records do you have? All right, party peeps. Top five records of all time. I've got with me Nick Betcher, as mm-hmm. in Betcher ass, but he's going by Nick James because, and I agree, it's hard to say your last name. Yeah. And I don't know. It, I still can't spell it right off the bat. It's, you know, it's not as hard to say as it is to recognize when written down. Yeah. So I um, started going by my middle name, which is James. So Nick James. So Nick James Betcher. It's just kind of made sense. There you go. Sounds good. Good ring to it. Yeah. Kind of like a Rick James. Yeah. I've, I've heard that a time. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Your top five records are Tom Waits, Mule Variations, mm-hmm. which I freaking loved. Um, Bill Withers, Love Him, Live at Carnegie Hall, Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks, yep. The Wood Brothers, Loaded. Mm-hmm. That was an experience for me. And the band, the Brown album, or just the band. Yeah. Okay. So where are you taking these albums? Uh, I think for these albums, for this time, I would take them, I want a cabin on a lake and nothing for miles. Maybe a Great Dane running around with me. And uh, and an acoustic guitar, because I'm always playing electric. Uh, like a nice, like a good old... Uh, like an old Gibson, just a thumpy sounding guitar, and uh, and just like a pad of paper and a pen, and just nothing else, and get to, to ponder the world with these songs in mind. And uh, that's a great I, answer. I, I think that's it. Just some some place, and I guess it doesn't really matter. I, I like nature, but I guess it doesn't really matter. I think because these albums take me places. I guess it doesn't matter so much where I would be. But I think I would prefer to be somewhere and we get some air and some light. Question. Mm-hmm. Gibson or Martin acoustic? Uh, if I'm writing songs, Gibson. If I have to like like play, play like really shred on it, Martin. Or Collings. Collings well. Collings is sort of like I've never I've never actually played in oh, I've man. tried I've not really. <laughs> they're they're different. They're... I've got a '72 J45, and I have oh, this yeah. guy right here that is uh, two thousand something uh, Martin. Uh, but this is my go-to because it's it's made for stage. There you go. I mean, what what more do you really need? You know, you just need if you know, especially as a songwriter, you need a guitar that just works for you. Yeah. Just, you don't have to think about it. It just kind of let it lets you do what you need it to do. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I love I, I love this assortment, and one of the things I love about doing this podcast is that I get to hear how other people chose their albums or why they chose them. Mm-hmm. So let's start off with the one that I enjoyed the most, which okay. was Tom Waits. Okay, I have never 
understood Tom Waits. Uh-huh. I've ne- I've never un- and I just don't get it. A lot of these people, like Patrice, came in here and said Joni Mitchell, and I- I've never understood it. I still don't. It's tough. It, it is, but I want you to talk to me about Tom Waits and why this album is in your top five. Sure. So uh, it, funny how I stumbled across it because uh, I'd heard songs from the record and I'd liked them. And I'd always heard in college, I had a roommate that like is in the midst of like everyone downloading tons of music. And he downloaded every single Tom Waits record in existence. Yeah, just the whole like the whole kit and caboodle. And uh, and he got real excited about it. And I listened to some stuff and I, I liked it. I thought it was intentionally interesting and weird and kind of dismissed him into this sort of bizarro category. I, I would agree with that. And then, uh, and you know, you hear people talk about him a lot and then, it, but it's hard to know how to get in, how to access yeah. Tom Waits. And to me, like this record, it very much, it's, it's accessible, but it's weird at the same time. There's some, there's some songs that are like, nah, I could not my favorite Tom songs, but, um, but as a whole, the record really like connects and ooh, believe it or not, I was watching, uh, the Walking Dead, and at the end of one of the episodes, they're like in this this prison area, and this girl's singing this song, and I was like, man, that sounds kind of familiar. Uh, I man, just sounds the lyrics and the lines just sounds like a Tom Waits song, right? And then I looked in the credits at the end, yeah, and I was course. like, sure enough, it is. And then so I was like, I went and looked it up, and it was on this record, Mule Variations, and so I listened to the record, and I just got hooked. I just it was like on repeat, on repeat. And um, the song on the record or on the show was called Hold On. It's just this beautiful, I think it's like track three, two or three. And it's just this deep voice, sad, kind of like sad, but like liltingly loving at the same time. And to me, like that's sort of like the the big song of the record. I agree. I agree. That's the one I knew. Mm -hmm. And then uh, then the rest of them are all kind of different flavors and textures. Like it introduces like... Like get behind the mule is sort of like this trudging along, feels kind of old timey. Just kind of just, um, you know, reminds you just like you just got to keep going, got to keep yeah. doing it. Get up. It was my alarm on my phone for a little while. Like, <laughs> like you know, got to get behind the mule. Yeah, and then so I, yeah. I loved. This is what I loved about it. He's it. It's classy in the sense that there's not like these ripping leads and mm-hmm. and it's super swampy at times like you know like yeah. really like you could hear that it's like that record player on the background and he's just like that gra- his voice is just like i never understood the voice and now i'm now i'm, I'm hip to it yeah it gets he gets he gets like painted as a character a lot and yeah and, and people recognize this this caricature of tom waits as opposed to like the poetic aspects of his writing like he his lyrics paint images and place put uh-huh. you in places and some people aren't comfortable with that you know he's so good at it that a lot of people will listen and go i don't like being in that place he's describing right. and because it throws you right in there and you're like this is not a place i want to be and then you know so people i think a lot of great art is does just that it does its job and mm-hmm. that's why some people just don't like it because it doesn't they don't like how it makes them think or feel or you know some of the creepy scenarios, like that the tune. What's he building in there? Yeah, I, what's he building in there? there. <laughs> and uh, and you're just like it was. It's like it's like being in an episode of The Burbs or like being in a sh- the, the movie yeah, The yeah, Burbs, yeah. and you're like the creepy neighbor. And you're like I don't know what's going on. Yeah, so that was his 12th album, studio album. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just I'm baffled. I, I wish I could see them in the studio doing that because I'm <sighs> I'm curious if they had to cut it live or you know just like. But it's like he played a bunch of different stuff on different tracks. I, I went through mm-hmm. the whole, you know, looked at it all. But uh, he won a Grammy for a contemporary folk album and got nominated for Best Male Rock Performance. I, he he deserves it. I, it's so crazy. And it's, uh, what year did that come out? 2002 or something? It's surprisingly 1999. late. 1999. Yeah. Surprisingly late in his career and like where, you, if, you know... Tom Waits is such a such as an abstract in a lot of people's like everyone loves Tom Waits, but yeah, he had a song come out. Uh, he had a record come out in '99. He was getting Grammys for like that yeah. seems so unusual. And he was like pals with the Stones. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, do you know I, who do you know, get the, Do you know who played harp on that? I don't. I don't. Charlie Musselwhite. Oh, I have heard that, <laughs> and I do know that um, Keith Richards played guitar on 
uh, what record was? It? I think it was Rain Dogs. He played on a few tracks. Not on this album. Yeah, yeah. So Rain Dogs was like the other like the one that most people I think freak out over. Like, oh, Rain Dogs. It's a long record, and to me, it's like the White Album of Tom Waits. You yeah. know, it's like it kind of goes all over the place, of all over the map for his styles. I think, uh, which is why I think people like it so much. Yeah. Uh, no, I I really dug it. Um, I, again, that swampy feel that he he just gets out of there, and the vocals just makes it. Uh, it's so just want to smear it all over me yeah yeah it's like it's definitely like a mood inducing record and yeah like, that's what i love and, and i think i think all of these that i chose definitely put me in a certain mood and i think that's sort of my favorite thing about a great record is you when you yeah. you you get to sort of like soak in it and absorb it a little bit and you get to visit their world for a while yeah well what we didn't talk about is you before we started here mm-hmm. uh you're in a band an mm-hmm. awesome band uh, the Reverend Few, and yeah. I think you guys are killer. I love your vibe. I love it when um, Ramirez plays with you guys. This oh, Jimenez? Yeah, Jimenez, excuse me. Yeah, the other David. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in fact, um, so he, he hasn't been, he's got another big project going on right now that I don't, I don't know that much about it, but I know it's, it's, it's going to be amazing. Like, it's, it's really exciting. Um, but... It's not official yet, but uh, we're gonna have. I think we might have him join us on the record release show what, on March twenty March twenty eighth at the Continental Club. Okay. So we've asked him to play on a couple tracks because I can't play the slide parts and the other parts at the same time. Like David, I need you. Right. Yeah, he's he's so good. I I, I love watching him play. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so and you guys are having that record release party on the twenty eighth. Twenty eighth of March. Twenty eighth of March. Yeah, yeah. coming up. Ugh. So much to do. Yeah. Well, I've seen I've seen the stuff on social that you guys are pro- pushing out there, so that's cool. Um, and when's the record come out? Um, it comes out on the 28th. So that's the okay, show. Perfect. That's the date. We're just going to go, bam, one day. Is that a Saturday? Mm-hmm. Saturday okay. night, 10 p.m., Continental okay. Club, Austin, Texas. South Congress. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can dive back in here. All right. Um, so which one you want to talk about here next? Let's talk about Bill Withers because mm-hmm. – so like I have I have my theories on why people should pick albums. You, everybody's going to have their own reason why they're going to pick their favorite albums. Mm-hmm. I typically like to go for like when I look at the Rolling Stones, people say, "Oh, the Beatles are the greatest rock and roll band ever." And I said, "Yeah, but you know, I can look back through their entire career and take a year and an album and see exactly what they were influenced by." Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of like studio albums. Um, Kelly picked. Um, the last waltz i was like oh sweet i'm just gonna go watch it when i looked it up it's a four album yeah it's It's long i've got it on vinyl at home and it's that is it is an undertaking to do the whole thing heck yeah yeah um and we'll get to the band in a bit because i've got lots of questions about them um but bill withers um Mm. after listening to that album i got inspired to go watch still bill have you seen that uh yes well most of it i got through most of it and i was like i can't well i can't watch it anymore (laughs) Uh, well, at the time I was watch- I watched the the documentary, and there's part where he's um, uh, he's talking about making music with his daughter. At the time, like my dad, I don't remember where in the timeline it was, but my dad passed away right around that time, and I was like, "Nope, yeah. not ready for that yet. <laughs> I'm going to hold off. I'm going to finish that later. I'll come back to you." Yeah. I was getting like all, Ooh, "Oh no!" I, so, yeah. but yeah, it's really fantastic. Yeah, so, and, and live albums, Jay Styles loves, uh, like, 80% of his albums were live. Oh, really? Hmm. Uh, this one, so this one was really special for me, because, um, again, I guess it was, a, it, I discovered it in college, in the formative years of my musical opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had a friend of mine, Jesse Payo, who I think, I think she's still making music out in L.A. I haven't talked to her in a while, um, but she's a blues singer, and we met in Boston in college, and we're just talking, and we were both talking about Bill Withers, and we're like, oh, we love Bill Withers. And, you know, at the time, you know, all I knew about Bill Withers is a couple of the hits, a couple of groovy tunes, and, yeah. and I was like, yeah, it's awesome, love it. His voice is cool. I like his basic, the songwriting I've heard. So I was like, you know what, I should dig a little deeper. And I went to... Um, the Virgin Megastore. I don't know if it's still there in Boston on the corner right. there. And I walked in and you go inside and you, um, and you go and I was looking at CDs and go, okay, uh, Bill Withers, where's the Bill Withers? And they only had one CD in there. One. No, like there was none left. 
So I was like, well, I guess I'm getting this one. I was kind of like bummed because I was like, oh, a live record. I was hoping I would get one of like the, like the the centerpiece record of that of his career, and I I didn't really know any better. Little did I know that like most heavy Bill Withers fans, this album this ends up one. being the one. So I put it on, and I'm in my dorm in Boston, headphones on, you know, laying on my bed, classic, listen to a l- album for the first time thing. And uh, and I listen to the whole thing top to bottom, and there's certain tracks that just hit me. Like, my least favorite tracks on the songs are his hits. Right. Uh, with the exception of Use Me, which is the grooviest intro to any record, and, like, the way the, cla- the crowd is clapping along, it's just, it's slower than the original version, and it, you just can't help but groove on it. Um, it's, it's such a classic song. Mm-hmm. And then, but, but the song that really, really hit me first was that, a tune called I Can't Write Left-Handed, mm-hmm. which is a pseudo-protest song about the Vietnam War, but more character-driven than, than protest-driven. So it was just telling the story about this guy, spoilers, I guess. <laughs> so this guy that um, uh, gets shot and then goes home, and or when he gets shot um, in the war, like... How does he deal with that experience? Right. How does he? What does he think about his family? Can you? He's telling. Can you write a letter home to my mother? Um, you know, tell the reverend to pray for me. You know, tell. Uh, you know, uh, I'll. I should. Uh, I should just encourage you to listen to the song. I don't want to give away too much because it's. It's just so beautiful, in in such a dark and haunting way. But like, there's such a human look at what. Uh, what a tragedy like that can do. Uh, you, you don't have to worry about spoiling it for everybody. They're going to go listen to it, definitely. Yeah, do. Um, but I, you know. It shocked me. I had no idea. I was like, oh, Bill Withers, I like him. And then I had no idea yeah, that was, was coming. Deep. And bam. Yeah. yeah. So, like, when I go listen to these, you know, a lot of times, like, I'm not really listening to the lyrics as much as I am to the groove and to mm-hmm. the. And, Especially when you put on headphones and you get left and right in the panning and everything, you know, it's just like I love just laying right here on this couch <laughs> and and listening to them with, with with good headphones on. Sounds like a dream. Yeah, yeah. Look at my guitars and, uh, but yeah. So that I I think Bill Withers is just like and I love the fact that he didn't start playing music till, or seriously until thirty two. Yeah, yeah. He really didn't do much and and until then. And they he said he had always been. He'd always like humming songs. He was always singing songs. Like the songs are kind of being written. He didn't start playing guitar till like thirty one, right. maybe you know, and then uh, and just kind of took off with it and put together an amazing band. Yeah. I mean, James Gadson, the the drummer he played with. Oh my God, he could just the, he could play quiet but groovier than anything you'd ever heard. Like they're the best. Oh man! And in fact, James Gadson played on uh, Doyle Junior's mm-hmm. last record, I believe. I think it was his last record. I don't lose track. Um, and Doyle's been Doyle covers a couple of songs from that album too that are like not big Bill Withers songs. Right. Uh, He's incredible. I yeah. I had a run in with him and um, he was good friends with one of one of my friends, and so they came oh, yeah? to my house one time. And this was back in his the day when he was, you know, wasted, <laughs> and uh, he was just he he was, and he was big, had like long. This is Archangel's days. Oh boy. Yeah, and he was just loaded out with turquoise, and it, he was he was styling. Yeah, Bill Withers, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, 2015. Mm. That was new to me. And uh, when I was watching that documentary of him, The Still Bill, he uh, I kept on, like especially if, I think it was from the side, that he would remind me of Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, yeah, you know, he know, totally he, does have a... That kind of nose. Yeah. Right? Anything else you want to say about Bill Withers or uh, this album? Um, listen to it top to bottom. Um, Grandma's Hands is a particularly good uh, good rendition of that one. Um, and it seems like the songs, there's thematically it's very much about like friendship. Like the songs yeah. that he chose, it's about like, you know, caring about the people you're with. That's the, the centerpiece of the of the lyric content of the whole record. Yeah. And, you know, I hadn't really thought of it in that way until recently. And, uh, and actually we were talking about doing this and I was thinking about the record and going, man, every song is just about, it's about people interacting with people and, and without being, it's like, it's like it's close to getting cheesy without being cheesy. Like if you went any further, it would be like, I don't know, but he just, he just nailed it. I think he just, and how the songs feel and groove, 
are not cheesy at all. No, and, no, and, no. He's, uh, uh, but he's just so real about how he talks about people. And, and, and I think real is a great word to describe him. Mm-hmm. It's his, yeah, he's just, he's just Bill. Blood on the tracks. All right. Okay. Okay. So here we are. I consider myself, first and foremost, a songwriter. Mm-hmm. I do not consider myself a musician in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I, I, I feel that because I, whenever I hear something or I, I hear a line or something, that immediately I go, like, I'll go, like, I take guitar lessons from Rosie Flores. Mm-hmm. And, like, she'll teach me something, and I'll come home and I'll do that, and I'll go, wait a second here, I can write a song with it. And oh, so I just stop best. practicing, and I go write. So I guess it's an okay weakness to have, because um, I kick out a lot of songs. But um, Bob Dylan is known as one of the premier songwriters. So is Town Van Zant. So is Guy Clark. Um, and for some reason, I can't. I I don't latch onto them like I would think I would. Ah, yeah. I I I don't get it yet. But when I'm forced to listen to it, it's it it makes me think more. And so I I. I truly appreciate it when people, uh, Jeff Blankenhorn had uh, Towns Van Zandt live at Town Hall or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you, you know, it's just like an acoustic guitar and him and, you know, whatever it is. But talk to me. 1975. All right. So so this, this album, uh, this album, it seems ironic to me. It's the one that I know the least well as far as like, can I sing every word to every song? And right. part of that's because of Dylan's writing style is so, you know, people use their word prolific a lot. He's just, he just, he churns out songs, or at least in this time period, he, he did. And he was always writing. And he was always creative. And there's so much. And he had so many ideas. And he was absolutely unafraid of just letting them flow and letting them exist in the song. Like yeah. nowadays, writing is all about editing. It's about chopping down, cutting out the fat, cleaning it up. And it, at that time, he was really fearless about just tell the story. Fully all, the right. whole story, the whole thing. You know, I mean, the song that really stands out to me the most is is You're Gonna Make Me Lonesome When You Go. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, crickets talking back and forth in rhymes. Like, who talks like yeah. that? And But it comes out so natural. And, and, and I, and I know like for a lot of people, it's too much. Like I'm obviously a talker. I'm right. just churning out thoughts as they come. Um, so sometimes I don't mind, uh, always having something new to discover in a record because I haven't caught everything yet. Mm-hmm. I can't just sing along and like, no, now I, you know, one listen, then you know the whole record to right. me. Like I picked this record cause every time I listen to it, I find something else and it could be like you know, what uh, what the guitar is doing in the background or how he lands in a harmonica part or um, definitely, like, how he paints pictures with his, his lyrics. And he, he kind of puts you, kind of like Tom Waits, he sort of, he puts you in that place. And then, um, and uh, he's another guy, like, you're, you can, you can get burned out on how he sings. But if you were, if you strip that down and someone else sings the same song, even in the same general way, you start to discover more about the song itself and where yeah. it goes and how it, how it breathes and, and where it can take you. So, it, but it's so simplistic. I mean, the, I mean, there's drums on like half the tracks, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like sometimes it's just an acoustic guitar. Yeah, I think he does a lot of cool stuff rhythmically, and then some of them have pretty interesting chord changes. Yeah. Like they're not they're not all just one, four, or five. Like his early days were a little, a little, a little more direct. And then, uh, but I think by this time he was he was getting really um, he was he was probably um, believing in himself with some. Uh, um, probably had a lot of confidence by this stage of his career was this before or after he was hanging out with johnny cash um i know it was after the ele- after he went electric um it's what 75, 75 is that when they came i don't know it, it's after he went electric I, I don't know if when he when he was hanging out with johnny um i just just go find out when nashville skyline came out yeah i can't i can't remember now I did all, this, all the, this is all the homework I should have done before I showed up. I'm just like, blah, 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 the record. Um, no, I went when I was in Nashville uh, a couple few years ago. 
there was a uh, Dylan Cash exhibit at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Oh, so, Paige, um, for you listeners out there, Paige is the lead singer of The Reverend Few and My Lovely Lady. Um, but she, I just dropped her off at the airport, uh, this morning to go to Nashville. She had some, some work stuff to do and she's going to, she got tickets to go to the country music hall of fame and go check all that out. And I'm super jealous. I'll show you a bunch of pictures if you want. No, I would love to see them. Um, I went to the, um, when I was in Cleveland last time, uh, I went to the rock and roll hall of fame, mm. which was fun. And there's, I mean, it's it's a blast. It's, it's hey, did you hear that the Hard Rock Casino in Vegas is closed now? They closed it. What? I know it's done. Well, that was the coolest casino I want, around. It just makes me think, like, what are they doing all that stuff? I Who, don't know, but the, I'm, I remember seeing like Def Leppard's drum kit and all. It's like oh, <laughs> that was the, that he, he could kick to make the different sounds and yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, it's closed. Okay, back to Dylan. All right. Um, I read that he was uh he went and took the album and played it for a bunch of people before it was released and it was like yeah like like and then, but Steven Stills was like uh he's a good songwriter but he's not he's no musician <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh bold words yeah uh i also i i read that um it's about him breaking up with his wife i think her name is Sarah Dillon and that Jacob Dillon was like, yeah, oh, that album, that's about, about my parents. Uh, I would believe it. The way that the way that the strong the songs are put together and the um, the overall sentiments. I mean, you know, and I and I think too, like these records that that I chose, they all have common themes and seem to be written for a reason. They work as a collective unit. You know, we're in we're in the days now of the single and. Uh, and you know people putting out EPs, and that's cool because you can you can always stay fresh and you you give a new idea, yeah. but like the long form is starting to fade, which is interesting because like in in film now it seems like everyone's doing like a series that lasts mm-hmm. seasons and seasons, and maybe even lasts three or four seasons. Well, you add that together, that's like the new long form. Yeah. Instead of like movie theaters being that's the longest you see is a three hour movie that's crazy, but then you'll watch a se- you'll binge a series that's like. 18 hours long right. and then uh it's like the like the, but so in film the long form seems to be stretching and in music the long they're like the long form is kind of going away yeah. and i wonder if there's going to be another resurgence a little flip i think there is because i i mean i say this too often i believe the art of the album is lost and i i believe that you know flipping it over having song a song b you know you have two first cuts two last cuts two uh, the way that it, it, it it's a piece of art that the artist puts together and wants to tell a story that way. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's lost. Yeah, I think that because we have so much to choose from and we consume so quickly and we dismiss so quickly, and this is like myself included. I'm, not, I'm no exception. I'm no, I'm no saint in this, in this scenario. Um, but I still love having, I love the context of having a record, but it requires me being home. It requires... Uh, my record player working properly, <laughs> which sometimes is an issue, um, and it requires me picking an album and then the time committed to the entire record. And and I love getting to the end of side A and flipping over to side B. I love that feeling. You're like, ooh, I get to redirect my attention back to this. If I was drifting, I was doing. And then there's another first cooking. cut. And there's another first cut. And then and then there's another closer. But but you you still but you're not listening to the. Not like a CD where you listen right. to thing; it's entirety, thing. and no one knows the last half of the songs, because no one gets that far. It's uh, it's you know you get to first half, and then you have to re- redirect your attention for the second half, and then you're ready again. And it's it's such a great experience. It, I agree, and all the artwork that came with it. Oh, and yeah. it, it's just like, and yeah. So we're cutting a new album. We haven't gone to studio yet, Ooh, that's but exciting. we're uh, we're gonna press it on vinyl. Yes. First half of rock. First half is gonna be rock and roll. Yeah. Or excuse me, honky tonk. And then the second half is gonna be rock and roll. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Yeah, it's gonna be killer. Um, we're gonna call it honky rock. Honky rock. I like it. Uh, what else about Bob Dylan you want to tell me? I think, it, you know, for people who haven't really listened to it, I think it, he's worth giving a shot. But he's also like Tom Waits, where you, you, it's hard to even know where to begin. There's so much to dig through, and there's 
it's easy to hear him as a cliche that he is because he's been around so long and he has a sound and he has a thing and to try to listen with new ears then I, like for me I, I try to reset every time I go back to something new because I'm very stubborn um, and well I'll talk that a little bit on, on when the next record we'll talk about um, I'm very stubborn like I have to find it in my own time in my own way and if someone pushes it on me I'm like hard line hard wall up like if you're like this is the greatest record i'm like i'm probably not going to listen to it anytime soon <laughs> and it's just there's a there's a mental block because i need to i need to find my way to it and i will just you know um, and i feel like bob dylan's one of those people like how could you not like bob dylan like i get it maybe you don't like his voice or the pacing or the tones that's fine but i think he's worth like poking around um and that record just um as a whole always i'm always pleased when i get through it yeah i have a biography of his up there someplace that i haven't read yet yeah or maybe it's in the house um but yeah so uh i'm trying i'm trying (laughs) to get it and i'm trying not to be pushy because i wish people would i wish somebody could explain to me you know what i need to look for because i just don't know I'm going to think about that. Think about Cause, it and cause, get back to me because yeah. it's like that and Towns, too. Well, it's t- Towns can be tough, too. Sometimes the stories are very dense, and it's hard to get – it's hard to, like – I don't know. It's hard to get to that. Like, when the story is really thick and there's a lot of characters and movement, yeah. it's – you know, and if you're not in the right headspace for that, like, no, you're not, you're not, it's just not going to stick. And I think all it takes really is one time of being in the right headspace, and then yeah. then it kind of like clicks. Uh, okay. Yeah. But like, but if you if you try to listen casually, it can easily just blur together, and you're like, I have no idea what Towns just said that whole time. <laughs> Pancho and who and you know and then yeah. Um, but like, song. if you get caught, yeah, I know it's super weird song, but it's it's great. Like when, in my opinion, um, yeah. But I think you just got to get in the right headspace. You got to go. I think I'm ready for that today and yeah. then put it on and like kind of not let anything else get in the way of it. That's, you know, or you might just never really get into it and that's fine too. The Wood Brothers. Oh, I had no idea that what's his name? Wood is from Medeski Martin and Wood. Chris Wood. Yeah. I had no idea. I loved those guys. Mm. They, uh, They've not been around all that long relative to you know, some of these other artists, but it's yeah, arguably, is... arguably my, f- it's in my top favorite bands of all time. And, and you and uh, Styles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were talking, we we're talking about maybe getting together, playing some Wood Brothers songs sometime yeah. soon. I hope that works out. Um, yeah. So I chose the album Loaded, which is their second mm-hmm. studio record. And, um, just every song hits the nail on the head, and it's the. Uh, the guy's vocals really cool. His vocals are cool. He's he's got this like, a very specific voice, and he's a great singer at the same time. So like, you know, Dylan, Tom Waits, they have even Bill Withers. They all have very very specific voices, and they're all um, in functionally in their ways. Like they have their thing that they do, and in that they're great singers. If they were to do other people's things, maybe, maybe not. But um, but Oliver Wood, he's got a really unique, really interesting voice, and it always just sounds like him. And he's a phenomenal singer. Like his right. control, his his lines, his riffs, and then, well, I should say, my favorite thing about the Wood Brothers is that every piece, every category that is important to me about music, they are absolutely expert level at. So. I need to go back and listen to it again. Uh, I I enjoyed it, but I didn't. It's not it, for people to freak out on it like they do. Mm. I need to. I need to. The, again, this is the thing. I, I I love this because you give me your top five albums. Mm. I go favorite them in Spotify, and so now I have this whole arsenal of new music that uh, I need to listen to again that, and again and again. That's cool, but it's a challenge too because like for the Wood Brothers. If I were to describe them to someone who has never heard them before, I'd love to hear this. Um, I, it's incredibly difficult because <laughs> if you go like, well, there's an upright bass and there's a guy that plays acoustic guitar and sometimes like a, a funky old electric and sometimes there's percussion 
and then sometimes uh, sometimes there's a drum kit and then there's like melodica and these things it sounds like it sounds like uh any bluegrass band it sounds like any it, it you know all the components are very classic for yeah. stylistically but the way they put things together doesn't feel like that they're not really a blues band they're not really they're not a bluegrass band they can get kind of jazzy they're definitely soulful there's tons of vocal harmonies all over the place yes, yes there is you know and this is an early record so i, I chose this one because i liked the songwriting on this one the best and um and uh there's we'll get, i'll get to that in a minute but um uh, but like all of the pieces they have like the bass lines are like a centerpiece of what like a melodic center yeah. of the song. So like you're like grooving along with this bass line in a in what you would have thought would be a bluegrass context on paper and you're like no, not at all. Yeah. Um they're dynamic, they're songwriters. Um they're great singers, they're great players. And there's just no wasted note, there's not a wasted word. There's just everything is just perfectly executed. But it doesn't. But it's organic at the same time. Yeah. Like it doesn't. It feels like they just kind of made it up, and it was the perfect thing ever. I think. Well, hey, this is your opinion. Yeah, you get to you get to say whatever you want here, uh, and you can say bad words. Can, oh, I can. Yeah. You well, can. shit. I didn't know that. Fucking <laughs> hey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely need to. Uh, I mean, this is. It, it, I love it, but it's also you know I've got. I, I never have enough time the day oh totally i will say this about the wood brothers so when they they started coming up and i was living in chicago and uh all of my friends went nuts over the wood brothers everyone that's all i heard them all talk about all they wanted to talk about and all they wanted to do wood brothers wood brothers and that was one of those bands where i was hard line like don't want to hear it it. that's you pushing it too much and now i don't want it i don't even want to check it out like they don't need my help as a fan they seem to be doing just fine I want to find things that not everybody's geeking over. And then when I first started listening to them, I was like, God, man, that's a great song. And then I got new, and I heard another song. I was like, wow, that was, how did they write something like that? Right. That's so cool. And then come to find out, like, I have mutual friends with these guys. And then, and then Paige sent me, they had an electronic press kit they made for uh, the record after this one um, called... Uh, Smoke Ring Halo, which is okay. another great record. It's a little more electrified. It's a little more more of a band, um, whereas this one's kind of songwritery. Um, and uh, in the interview, there they were talking about um, the first track of this record, which is called Love in Arms. Mm-hmm. And in it, they said that their mother had ALS, had Lou Gehrig's disease. Okay. And so Chris and Oliver's mother, I hope that if they ever hear this, I hope that it's okay that I tell this story. They did. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but they, they said the song was about the moment at which it's a, it's a neuromuscular uh, degenerative di- disease. So it was the moment at which their mother could no longer like give them a hug, use her arms, give them uh, hugs. So yeah. it was love in arms. And Paige sent that to me and I, I always watch the video. I was like, oh, cool. And then he tells Oliver tells the story and it's just like, oh my God. Because my, my dad had Lou Gehrig's disease. Really? And it was it was why I ended up moving to Texas from Chicago. It was why, you know, why, like, my songwriting started moving in a different direction. And uh, and so, like, immediately I was like, this band, I'm I'm in. I'm on yeah. full force. And I've talked to them a few times since and hung out a couple times. And, uh, and they've always been so sweet and gracious. And, uh, and having that sort of shared experience of having yeah. a parent have something that that uh that wasn't fun to go through but it was formative and and so that's another reason why I'm a huge fan of the Wood Brothers fair enough yeah my dad has alzheimer's and oh. uh he just got a knee replacement he's in a bad place oh i'm sorry yeah it sucks and page after shortly after i lost my my father page's mother got early onset alzheimer's and louis louis body dementia and she lasted a couple of years with with all of that stuff and uh, it had been a rough couple a rough well, five six years that we went through of yep. heavy family things and and I can say that you know there they seem to be things we all go through and that we all will have to go through at some point we do and no one's ever alone in that 
Uh, I hear you. So, all right, enough of this depressing stuff. I yes. want to talk about the band now. Yeah. Now you 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 were in charge of the last waltz, right? The show that was down at the. Wasn't that your deal? No, 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 no. <laughs> I wish. I wish. I thought you were in charge of that. No, um, it does sound like something I would do, though. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, there's well, there's a few of them. There's one. Uh, I don't know which ones are which, um, but there's uh, a few tributes to the last waltz, particularly the ones that are right before Thanksgiving, because that's when the last waltz happened, right, right around Thanksgiving. Um, but you didn't I, do the tribute. To that? No. Who did that one? One to one. I thought it was you. Okay, I'm wrong. No. See, my if someone is out there that is on that and wants to have me on, <laughs> why? Why did it? What did you do? You did a tribute of something. Um, I did. Uh, I've done a few things. I was a part of a Black Crows tribute. I was a part of a um, Fleetwood Mac tribute. That was cool. Um, I was like house guitarist for that too, and there are a bunch of guest singers. Right. Um, what else have I done? Huh. I okay. Hard, uh, hard to keep track. All right, well, let's talk about the band. Okay. Why the Brown album? It is the most well-known album they did, but the songs that the, the songs were the the whole thing was they took a lot of chances. I mean, there's like, you know, there's hits on there, but there are songs that are not hits, and I think that and they're that are very like story oriented. Yeah. Um, and each time they sing a song, I feel like I'm hearing that person of that time and that place talk about it and i think that's i think that's why i really love that album like there's there's like weird time signatures and there's funky stuff but it all feels so organic and you're like how do they how do they take all these weird twists and turns and not make you feel like they're trying to outsmart you yeah you know and i think that that's the challenge when music gets really like sophisticated is it feels like they're trying to outsmart their listeners and you're like no don't be a jerk right right you know just play music if you want to guide them somewhere new that's great but you still have to guide them you can't you can't just take off and hope that they you know they're impressed by your technical prowess like there is a time and a place for that but like for music the music that i like you know you want to guide them to a new zone and i think in the band did this on this record with just a bunch of cool, weird twists and turns and great character songs and, um, and and then to think that they recorded this song in like in a bungalow in L.A. Right. You know. Basement tapes feel. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it was not recorded at Big Pink. You know, mm -hmm. this is this isn't, you know, they're all they're all hanging out, rubbing elbows with big stars in L.A. And, and then make this record. That's crazy. It's yeah, it's incredible, man. It's I love it. I I love Levon Helm. Mm -hmm. What do you think about uh, Robbie Robertson? Oh man, put me on the spot. Um, I think that Robbie. Um, I've got his bio, his autobiography right there, and that's like what. After I finish this Merle Haggard biography, I'm reading that one. Have you read the uh, Levon one? Uh uh. Um, I have it sitting on my shelf. Paige finished it, and I have not gotten to it yet. Um. Uh, but the the opening of that book is is particularly revealing of Robbie, um, and I just I'll just say I'll lend you the book and then you can I'll I'll, I'll get it um, I want to have it on my shelf. But um, uh, I think Robbie was uh, I think Robbie viewed the the band in a very different way than everyone else did, and he viewed it as he was the leader and everyone else just kind of just went along and. There are technical things that, like, knowing how songwriting royalties work and how that, that plays out that I think is, uh, it's in disingenuous to your friends and bandmates to to leave that information out of their, out of, out of their knowledge set when you're supposed to be working together. And I think that that, cause even though he's technically, he could be right on some things, leaving the communication away from your friends and, and, and your, your dearest, closest friends... That you spend the most it's, time with, yeah. It's kind of a dick move, and it's hard to, you know, and you just watch The Last Waltz, and it's all about Robbie. And you well, go like, what? He was what? doing a bunch of blow with Scorsese yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and and everyone else is just like, this is a great party, and he's like, look at me, and look at how look at how great I am. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I've, I don't know as much about the band. I, I believe that the, I've heard, and I, I would agree with that, I think the band was the first Americana Band. I, I think so too, especially like when they were back in when 
portion of them was backing Dylan. That was sort of like the birth of Americana yeah. in like a full band form, like be, growing beyond folk, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the old country was spurred by Wilco. That, that's just me. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of my top five albums is AM. <sighs> that's really good. I can I cannot get over it. Sky Blue Sky. I just I can't. <laughs> so good. I just I just it's I could put so it on and any good. That's that was uh, and I I struggled because I love being there. I love mm-hmm. I love Yankee. I love Sky Blue Sky. Um, yeah, I think that it's tough because like you know this list would might be easier to put together if it was by artist as opposed to album, <laughs> because there's some artists where like uh, I love a couple albums and then. And the rest are kind of like, eh. and then there's some artists where like, well, if I have their whole catalog, like that's that'll get me by through a lot. I mean, Beatles, their catalog is so diverse that they cover a lot of grounds. Stones, I think so too. Like Stones, very much so. Um, and their songwriting is always. I think the Stones' songwriting is under completely underrated. Absolutely. Like, like for how their songs have these twists and turns. That's another story. We can. I'll talk. I'll talk to Stones with you all day long. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, you know, and, you know, I've heard and I, I, that I, I don't know. You tell me, what do you think about his guitar playing, Robbie's? He's fine. I, he was perfectly appropriate for the context of the band. Okay. I, I, I'll agree with that. Um, I think that, you know, they worked collectively so well that I think that it, it was, it was the right fit. Um, I heard him play live once and it was, I wasn't. It was not great. Okay. I'm just going to say that. Well, fair enough. You know, And I don't want to, you know, but I'm, I, I mean, usually try to be the super nice guy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be bold these days. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Mean, he could, he could have used some, <laughs> some chops. Yeah. Um, but, but like, but in the context of the band, it was, he was the perfect ingredient for that. He really was. And because if you had a guitar player that was ripping, like Clapton wanted to be in the band and Robbie was it. like, no, I'm the guitar player. And so, uh, yeah, Clapton, Clapton wanted to be in a band, like, his whole career, you know, he joined Delaney and Bonnie, you know, he, um, Cream, he, yeah, Cream, the Yardbirds, like, he wanted to have, like, a band, he wanted to be a group of people that played, and his autobiography is pretty interesting, too, um, very revealing about what he thought of himself and, and over the time. Yeah, he kind of creeped me out on that. <laughs> He's um yeah like he's one of those guys I think he's such an interesting character who who is incredibly influential and and well that's another there's another side conversation um, but he he wanted to be in the band and and Robbie was like no I'm the guitar player yeah. in the band. and I think if if someone like Clapton was in the band I think that um the guitar would overshadow like the entirety of the band like of yeah the, the unity yeah. Garth Hudson, he is the secret weapon of that band. I saw him at the, the. Uh, um, He's the one that played all the instruments. Yeah, he 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 was the magic. To the, I mean, they all worked together, but he was he did all the arrangements. Anything that you go, well, that was interesting. That was, was Garth. That? Garth was incredible, and I got to see him see him play live once. And I've never seen someone. He's just this old kind of crazy looking guy, yeah. and he walked out, and it was during the. Um, uh, the last Waltz tribute show, the one that we did, uh, um, the one Warren Haynes put on, mm-hmm. and it was it was a good show. And then he came out and he sat down at the piano, and I can't even describe you the style he played in. It was just free flowing, creative, and his solid. I swear, swear to God, five minutes silent room as he just played. He just explored, and you just had no idea where he was going to go with it, and it just just on a piano. And a room full of like rock and roll lovers wanting the last waltz, and he just took the room over and yeah. just playing piano. It was unbelievable, and I, I figured he would play and it would be cool and interesting, but I didn't realize how amazing he was. He, lots of notches up in my in my book. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, this has been awesome, and I, I appreciate you turning me on to this stuff and. Uh, you've got your show on the 28th. 28th. Um, March 28th. I'm going to try to get this one out before that. Um, but what else? What else you got? Anything else you want to say about any of these bands or albums? This was really hard. This is probably, so hard. this is so challenging. I'm like, 
Yeah, like, how about this? No, not that one. Like, I don't have one Jeff Beck record on there. And I struggled. I wanted to put Blow by Blow on there. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I, I you know, maybe. Um, I don't have any, like, instrumental stuff. Nothing. They're all kind of Americana-y, which, you know, all of them have lots of acoustic guitars going on. Uh, which, yeah. I'm not really an acoustic player. Like, I play acoustic, but, but like. I write you know, a lot on acoustic. Yeah. Live, I have to have a, yeah, a telly. Like these are, I think these are more revealing to my background than, uh, than like, you know, I'm still, I'm still a guitar player. I still, I like, uh, there's not, you know, there's a little bit of slide guitar on this, on this whole thing. And I, I love slide guitar. I mean, you know, I mean, the Wood Brothers have a little bit, maybe some Tom Waits, but like the things that I, that, uh, the, like I wonder if people would be surprised that this is my list based on you know what music I put out and or oh, not yeah. or not I have no idea doesn't matter then yeah and that's the thing like who, who gives a shit right it would be fun to know but other than that like I'm still just going to kind of follow the wind where it takes me well um get out there and see the reverent few they're killer they're awesome and it's just, it's so it's so groovy and I love it when you guys play skylark uh yeah. um and then I'm I'm gonna try. What time do you guys play the Continental? 10 p.m. Perfect. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna try to make stuff. it out for that one. And um, I guess that's it. Until next time, guys. Talk right. to you later. So that was Nick James. Please go check out his band, The Reverent View, at the Continental Club on March 28th at 10 p.m. for the release of their new album. I cannot wait for this show. If you want to check out The Reverent View on social or on the web pretty easy it's www.thereverentfew.com and on uh, facebook and instagram same thing handle the reverent few um also if you got that gumption head over to thebiggunshow.com that's thebiggunshow.com and check out what my band is up to these days you can also catch us on facebook instagram youtube all with the handle of the big gun show band that's the only beginning and band on the end our most consistent gig is our monthly residency at the Little Longhorn Saloon, a.k.a. Jenny's, here in Austin. It's home with Chicken Chip Bingo. We play the happy hour on the first Friday of every month. Bring Grandma. I promise she'll have a blast. I'll be back in two weeks, and then every other week after that, close your eyes. We're back on that desert island again. What five records do you have? <laughs>